Hello, welcome to this, the fourth of our Destination 2023 podcasts. This is a series of podcasts designed to explore the process of insuring pensions through the purchase of a buy-in policy. I'm Jonathan Hazlett, Head of Pensions at Osborne Clark, and I'm joined today by Richard Seymour. Now, Richard's a Senior Transition Manager at Pensions Insurance Corporation, and today we're going to talk about how best to prepare your scheme data for buy-in and eventual buy-out. So welcome, Richard, and thank you for joining us today. Hello, Jonathan, and thank you for having me. Great. Well, perhaps if we could start by setting the scene, um, could you explain what we mean by scheme data and why it's so important when trustees are thinking about approaching the bulk annuity market? Sure. So scheme data means basically the data needed to calculate and administer members' benefits. So, for example, amount of the member's pension in payment or a data leave-in, the status of the member, for example, if they're deferred or retired, dates of birth of members, their sex, marital status, and so on. This, when you can combine that with the benefit specification tailored for either a buy-in or buy-out, will allow insurers to calculate what it would cost to secure member benefits under the bulk purchase annuity. In terms of pricing, insurers will be interested not only in the current scheme membership and benefits currently in payment and into the future, but also sometimes historic scheme experience. Being able to provide this additional information can help inform and improve pricing, especially on the larger deals. Relevant historic data will primarily be around schemes mortality experience, but may include other areas too, depending on what benefits the insurer has been asked to insure. For example, if we're asked to ensure specific commutation factors, then we need further information around the factors and the approach taken by the scheme in using those. Great. So does the scheme data need to be perfect before approaching the market? It doesn't need to be perfect at this stage, no, in essence. However, the scheme data needs to be sufficiently complete and accurate to give the insurers confidence that they can accurately price the transaction. Buying policies will typically then provide flexibility to allow for reasonableness and accuracies to be corrected during a data cleanse period, also known as a verification window, and possibly even after that process has been completed. I would say the more accurate the scheme data is at the outset, the more accurate the insurer quotations are likely to be for securing all those member benefits. This in turn means greater certainty for the sponsoring employer who may ultimately be asked to meet any shortfall in the premium between the quotation price and the final premium payable. Also, the accuracy is important to us as an insurer as it provides us with more certainty on projected cash flows, allows us to suitably match our investments to those and also helps us with our reinsurance arrangements where they're applicable. It's also worth noting that when trustees enter into a buy-in policy, they will usually be required to warrant that the scheme data is complete and accurate in all material respects. So it's important that the trustees are in a position to do this or to enter into discussions with the insurer to disclose any of these points that they're uncertain about at that point of time. So whilst the scheme data doesn't need to be perfect, could you explain as an insurer what you would typically expect to have been completed before trustees approach you? Yeah, sure. So we generally expect um, basic scheme data to be checked to ensure it's internally consistent. So, for example, checking scheme data tranches are consistent with their periods of service and the categories of membership are also correct in terms of the member's perspective. One thing I would suggest is the administration practice should also be tested against the scheme's benefit specification. This is to ensure it reflects the scheme's benefit structure and this has been applied consistently in the past. 
Sometimes we see variations here, so this is always a good check to carry out early on in the process, if possible. Once you've been through those processes and produced an initial data schedule for the insurers, schemes could consider checking by cross-referencing back to the administration system and records. This might again include checking key member items, such as I mentioned before, things like dates of birth, periods of service, amounts of benefits, and so on. Where these checks have been completed, schemes may wish to provide confirmation of the steps they've taken and the initial outcomes reached when approaching the market. This might be particularly relevant if the scheme's inconsistencies or absence of scheme data and in the scheme is looking to exclude or include in the deal, depending on what they're doing during this data cleanse period. The cleaner the scheme data and more we understand about the steps which have been taken to cleanse the data and resolve issues, the fewer questions that will be risen by us during this quotation stage and make it generally a lot smoother for everyone involved. So we've established that the scheme data doesn't need to be perfect, um, but how would a scheme best deal with inconsistencies or data gaps at that quotation stage? Um, the key point is that the scheme should make sure the inconsistencies or gaps in the scheme data are sufficiently clearly identified and explained. This will help us to understand the type and scope of the issues that exist and what plans the scheme has to address these inconsistencies. This could be before or after transacting, but with the benefit of a more accurate initial quotation price where data issues have been resolved beforehand. Um, if suggested scheme liability value is placed on missing scheme data, then both the assumptions used in reaching that value and approach taken to determine the entitlement to the affected population should also be disclosed to the insurer, so we fully understand that too. Okay, that's really useful, Richard. There's a number of um, conditional data items that trustees don't routinely hold. Uh, I'm thinking of things like marital status and details of dependents where trustees are reliant on members telling them about that during the life of the scheme. What steps would you recommend scheme trustees take to deal with those types of data issues before they approach the bulk annuity market? Some insurers will place more reliance on this type of scheme data at the quotation stage than others. In addition, the size of the scheme and so the members involved will be relevant to the exercise happening here will make this type of scheme data more or less important to the insurer based on those sorts of points really. Uh, there are different routes the trustees can take to collect this information and schemes might typically combine a couple of them. There could be an exercise to write out to all members requesting the relevant information that may need to be combined with any tracing agency work that's currently being undergone, where typically trustees are trying to locate some of the more historic deferred members and their addresses. And obviously tracing members is always good practice and helps reunite members with their scheme entitlements. Um, of course, uh, right exercise is only as good as the communication and information requested on it. So trustees should get suitably qualified professionals involved in this, in the drafting of any communications. This will maximise the engagement from members and the quality of the responses being returned to the trustees. Um, communications could be clear and encourage all members to reply. They should also be drafted with careful reference to dependent provisions in the rules. There are sometimes fine points of distinction between the categories of dependent and their benefit entitlement and the communication should be sufficiently clear to enable the scheme to get accurate information that reflects those points of distinction. Whichever approach is used, it's important to make clear in the scheme data how the information was gathered, whether any data gaps are because the member has no dependence or did not reply, and if historic data is used in some places to differentiate that from the most recently gathered information on the exercise, that's also good for us to know. 
Insurers also recognise that data input itself is not infallible, so any information on that process used in this would uh, also be welcomed when we are understanding data gathering. No, that's great. So assuming the scheme has taken a number of steps to prepare its data before transacting with an insurer, could you tell us a little bit about the data cleansing process that happens once the buy-in policy has incepted? Sure. So all buy-in policies will contain a requirement for the scheme trustees and insurer to undertake a process of data cleansing post-transaction. The cleansing period will be fixed in the buy-in policy and ordinarily the parties will be required to take all reasonable steps to complete data cleansing within that stated time frame. Different insurers may have specific requirements here, but they will share some common themes ultimately. Um, ultimately, trustees need to ensure the correct level of benefits for members. So this data cleanse window gives them and their administrators the opportunity to review and correct any shortcomings in that time frame too. It's good practice to ensure to work with the scheme early on in this process, we find, to identify what the key areas of data cleanse are. Also look at any points that were disclosed as part of the transaction and develop a plan to address these throughout the data cleanse window. You mentioned before, Richard, that scheme data only has relevance in the context of calculating the benefits provided by the scheme and not necessarily the benefits that have been assumed by the insurer. Could you describe a bit about the benefit audit process that is completed post-transaction? Yeah, sure. So part of the data cleanse plan will often be to conduct a benefit audit on the records. The trustees will work with the administrators and advisors to scope this out and identify the extent of the benefit audit and the sampling of appropriate records. They will need to agree an action plan to address any of the corrections that may come up as part of this benefit audit too. Some schemes will choose to use the specialist skills of a third party provider in analysing their data electronically and validate the existing records by typically reconstructing benefits from first principles on the tools that they have. Additionally, in terms of validating records and benefits, some schemes use a verification right out to membership too. This would typically state basic scheme membership data, including relevant pension or service dates, etc., levels of pensions and so on, requesting that members validate the information given or giving them the opportunity to query the information that's been provided. Um, members probably won't thank trustees for a string of requests here, so this should be taken into account when considering communication plans here. Insurers will also review the data that we receive, perform their own checks on this, and then share any relevant results to be reviewed with the administrators and trustees. Um, all of these activities should be monitored through the scheme's governance protocols, and insurers should be kept fully updated during this journey as well and throughout. Thank you, Richard. A lot of the schemes we advise um, uh, were formally contracted out of the state second pension and so provide GMPs. Now, a lot of our clients will have reconciled their GMP records with HMRC, but may not have rectified them. Um, do insurers expect trustees to have completed both GMP reconciliation and rectification before going to the market? Um, insurers will want to understand the accuracy of the GMP data provided to them and get some indication of the possible extent of any rectification exercise that's been undertaken so far. However, GMP rectification doesn't need to have been completed prior to transacting, and it's recognised that this will often be completed now in tandem with any GMP equalisation exercise being looked at and reviewed. As I mentioned earlier, when schemes are looking at their data cleanse plans, we would expect GMP reconciliation and rectification to feature heavily on these if it's not already been completed. 
um, when carrying out rectification for GMPs or other benefit corrections. It's very important to look at the overall net effect on the members' benefits and the timing of any rectification, particularly for pensioners. Trustees would want to avoid altering benefits down for one change in a particular month and a few months later adjusting the benefits up for the effects of GMP equalisation. So some good planning needed around those two for a, a good member experience. Just picking up that point about GMP equalisation, do insurers have a preference for how that's completed? Are there any specific issues that trustees should take into account here? Um, if GMP equalisation has not been completed, then the buy-in policy will typically contain specific provisions around that and relating to what needs to happen there. As a minimum, the buy-in policy will include a requirement for GMP equalisation to be implemented on naturally a legally approved method, but there typically is no longer any strong insurer preference as to what is done here, either through conversion or one of the year-on-year -year methods. Um, depending on the estimated materiality of GMP equalisation, scheme trustees may seek to carve out any impact it may have on the material change provisions in the buy-in policy, but in reality, in practice, GMP equalisation is not likely to trigger material change provisions on its own, but a point may be capable of negotiations at a point of contracting and uh, get into detailed discussions with the insurer around those points. That's great, Richard, and thanks very much. I think that's probably all we've got time for today, but thank you very much for joining and giving a really helpful and insightful um, discussion, particularly from the insurer's uh, perspective. Um, thank you to our listeners for listening. Please do get in contact with me or your usual OC contact if you'd like to know more about getting your scheme buyout ready. And the next instalment of our Destination 2023 podcast will follow in a couple of weeks in which we'll look at the investment issues that arise in a buy-in transaction. So thank you very much for listening.